Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Enjoy! Thanks. Order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, my name is Dave Henry and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 22 of the New Encore Music Podcast. Joined, as always, by Cullum O'Regan. Hey, how's it going? Craig Patrick is here. Now, Craig, before you give me your nickname of the week, I'd like to point out that yesterday I thought of one, and I think it's the best one, and I want to wait and see if you ever do it. Go. Okay, okay. What's up, Hank Ocean? That's a good it one. Works, it works. I like that fits in. With, yeah, it's not it, though, but, but, but I do approve of that one. We there's are joined, been some good ones, though. There's been some great ones. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back there. Uh, we're joined by the week by two previous guests of the podcast. To my left, the man who uh, reviews and edits films for State Magazine, it's Dave Higgins. Good to be back, guys. Thanks for having me. To my right, the man who writes for just about everybody, if you're good enough, <laughs> Dean Van Nguyen. Hello. Welcome back, guys. We didn't do an applause. We should, we, should we do an applause? Yeah, let's do right, yeah, General. Woo! I thought we only did that for, like, you know, like, big-name bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But these guys are big-name journalists. Bar- so. I mean, yeah, great. <laughs> it's grand. Look, we'll get right to it, because uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. So, in the news, I go to the newsman, the man himself, Kulmerigan. Hi. So yeah, the reason why we're in a little bit of a rush this week, we will be getting to Frank Ocean's album in a bit. <laughs> Turns out that 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 was prompted one of the bigger news stories of the week where the chief of Universal had ordered that there will be no more exclusive streaming rights given uh, to streaming services. Uh, Lucian Grange, the CEO, uh, basically sent out a memo saying that this is now going to be a thing of the past. Uh, for all Universal artists, they're not allowed to sign these exclusive deals. And I guess in the music landscape right now, that's a pretty huge development. 
I'd like to start by saying that Lucian Grange sounds like a Castlevania villain. So I'm, I'm glad that say, we have yeah, like yeah. a really bad, boring Bond villain kind of. Just yeah, like I'm glad that we like have like someone who has a name like that at the top of the musical terror. It kind <laughs> yeah. of, it feels right, doesn't it? it? Does yeah, it does indeed. But yeah, this has kind of thrown uh, the music world asunder, and it would it would appear that Frank Ocean has done a bit of a fast one on Def Jam and Universal by releasing the visual album as kind of his final contractual obligation, leaving him freeing him up to basically release Blonde as a self-release thing with Apple. So as a result, uh, the head of Universal has hit the roof. And a lot of people are saying that this is how it should be, that basically this whole exclusive streaming lark is in fact not working out the way that people think it is, and it needs to kind of have some regulation again. Well, it's funny enough, uh, just the other day I was talking to Christian Harris, who's the managing director of Deezer in the UK and Ireland, and I kind of asked him about that, if, if they talk to people about exclusive releases, if that's something that they might do in the future. And he was very much of the opinion that, yeah, in the long run, it's a terrible business idea, just because nobody's really likely to be having multiple subscriptions. Sure. And so that, you know, you'll tie yourself down and you'll split the market five ways and then kind of lock yourself out of it, so to speak. And he said that also in terms of development of services, you know, basically if you have all of the same product, then you're going to have to work at the things that make yours unique, work on interface, work on actually like looking after the customer. And you don't need to do that if you're going to rely on checkbooks or you know, your buddy's guest lists or, or phone books, as, as Jay-Z seems to do with Tidal, that, um, that, yeah, it's probably best for business all around if this becomes a thing of the past. And I don't think you win many people over when you do an exclusive like this. Like, I know firsthand having to, like, sign up to Tidal and then spend ages trying to untangle myself from it. It's a really bad breakup. Tidal is a terrible service just in general. The, as you say, the you know, the interface is, is pretty crummy. Um, Apple Music, I've now signed up for a trial to that because of Frank Ocean. <laughs> See how long that lasts i've found it pretty bad so far like i just want to use spotify for god's sake um but obviously it's the big player so it doesn't need to do these exclusive deals so it has been kind of infuriating as a fan of a lot of these artists having to start these trials that kind of you never end up finishing so yeah a nice kind of move on one hand on the other it's kind of nice to see like this head universal guy being really upset about it all and kind of saying god damn you frank ocean and i you know it's like, he did kind get of like a little that. bit buttered by it, it must <laughs> yeah. be said yeah I mean, where do you stand on it? I think it's actually someone in the music industry kind of making a lot of sense because, you know, the music industry was, was so far behind when uh, in the Napster heyday when everyone was legally downloading about actually selling MP3s and now they're kind of realising that this exclusivity of having an artist is just going to bring piracy back again. Like, you can imagine most people don't really see a problem with paying a tenner a month to have Spotify or Apple Music, but this idea that, again, like, you need to have so many different platforms like nobody's ever going to go on it when you're only going to title for beyonce you're only going to you know apple for well like essentially like the first week of drake or the first week of chance so yeah i think it's like it's it's a very i find this weird to say but yeah fair play to your man it is quite sensible the other thing as well is that it's actually long term it seems that they're actually looking at the bigger picture here rather than kind of what's going to work a month or a year down the line yeah i think it's becoming clear that streaming is going to become the, the dominant form of the way we consume our music so considering it is still relatively radical um, it's not surprising that there's going to be some growing pains so things like this are going to come up um, it's interesting that he he did release uh, Endless as as what appear, appears to be a way of getting him out of a, a contractual agreement with his label mm. um, because we've seen that a good bit as well this year, I think uh, I think I think Chance did the same, where he, he just cut a 
kind of uh, his own deal with with Apple. So uh, I think it's going to be the the landscape is going to be pretty rocky for the next while until everyone kind of gets a hold of 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 which which methods are are the most efficient for 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 most artists. You know, Universal making this kind of move is it just going to make them? Is it going to isolate them in a weird way because major artists now kind of don't need Universal to such an extent as they once did? Yeah, I mean, I think that was always fair to say even before they made this announcement. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if Sony and Warner follow yeah. suit because obviously, you know, the music industry is kind of split between those three. And uh, yeah, if Universal are the odd ones out, then it's certainly going to leave them in a in, in a sort of strange position going forward. What do we make about the idea? Like, there's this guy. <clears throat> Uh, Bob Leftsets is his name. He's an author of an influential music industry newsletter. Uh, he actually was one of the talking heads on that spectacular 30 Seconds to Mars documentary, mm-hmm. which everyone needs to watch. It's called Artifact. It's glorious. And he uh, kind of has a bit of a big voice. And he basically was saying that, and I quote, most people don't give a crap about the new Frank Ocean album. He says, we've got an industry that promotes marginal products that appeal to few and makes them available to most people. That's hysterical. Um, he goes on to say, shame on you, Frank, and shame on everybody else who takes money from Apple and screws fans. There's enough money in music without taking every last book, and the joke is on you for thinking so short term. Um, I think the whole idea of, you know, like, no one gives a crap about the Frank Ocean album, it's interesting that Frank Ocean appears to be the one who is kind of spearheaded this move, whether it's Lucian Grange taking it extremely personally I can see where Bob Lefset is coming from in as much as we're all, you know, we're all, we, we couldn't wait for the Frank Ocean album, but that we're not necessarily Joe Public. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of people just listen to the radio and, you know, have their favorites. You know, like, I don't, not everyone is as hardcore kind of into music as the people around this table. So a lot of people have taken that dismissal of, of Frank Ocean as quite a, you know, harsh thing to say. But I think in terms of the gigantic music industry picture, I know where he's coming from. Yeah, although at the same time you have to point out the flaw in his logic, where if most people don't give a crap about the Frank Ocean album, then what is the pressure of making it mass market available? Yeah. Like, surely that's the exact product that you should be able to make, you know, sort of a a limited edition, as it were, make it sort of so that people have to work for it. Because if there is a fanatical minority out there somewhere, then they will. I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm no marketeer here. I mean, maybe he's saying that, you know, Frank, at this point in his career, he should be like showcased more. He should be making his next big push rather than being kind of pigeonholed, well, not pigeonholed, but kind of hidden away, kind of more for the the musos. I get maybe that's his point. Yeah, you don't, you don't really see anyone complaining that they weren't able to buy the Zion with like the you know the the album exclusive. That's like slightly different. So. I don't know. It's kind of it's a weird thing to to say, particularly about Frank. It should be said. It, it, it there may also be some sort of subtext in terms of what's happened between Universal and Frank throughout the past four years, because one can only assume that there was at least you know a bit of a phone call every now and then of, well, Frank. Yeah, that I album, mean, four years Frank, isn't huge, though. Is it? <laughs> I know we've all been quite upset about it, but four years these days isn't really. I think it's more the fact that it was, it's 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 more that it was teased so often. Yeah, yeah. this it's is definitely it. coming out a story at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, there's the whole uh, aspect of it appearing that Frank Ocean was previously signed under a different name and was being ignored and had his own kind of solo deal, and he was frustrated. So he released a mixtape under the name Frank Ocean, and then when people started to track down this Frank Ocean guy, he was able to say to them, no, no, it's me, you've had me all along. So there's an element here of possible kind of revenge, perhaps? Well, wow. Perhaps so. We can talk a lot more about Frank Ocean in a little bit. We will. But obviously <laughs> he's not the only one affected by this. Uh, in fact, uh, as is pointed out here by The Guardian, uh, all five of the Album of the Year nominees of the Grammys last year are currently under Universal. So that's Kendrick Lamar, Taylor Swift, Alabama Shakes, Chris Stapleton... And The weekend, 
who it looks like uh, is working on new material right now. He sort of teased something that will be coming shortly, as not many discernible lyrics or anything to be seen in the video <laughs> that he posted. But, uh, it's a waste of time, let's be but, honest. But Big Abel's voice is there. Yeah, for a second. Yeah, and what's more, uh, his label boss actually over the weekend uh, confirmed that he's been in studio with Daft Punk. Exciting. Very it is exciting. very exciting. Yeah. I wish they'd just tour instead of like being cooped up in the studio, I don't know, no, at this point. Yeah, and also The weekend had, had a record out last year. He you know, had a feature on Kanye's album this year. It's not like we're starved it's of material Beyonce's from him. Record. Yeah. It wasn't particularly good, actually. It, was, it, it just didn't quite, quite fit, I thought. Nah. It wasn't a great feature. It's okay. But, um, yeah. yeah, it is. It does make perfect sense, though, because obviously he pulled out of Rihanna's European tour yes, uh, at yeah. relatively short notice and obviously did it en masse. It wasn't he cancelled a couple of dates. So I guess we always figured he was working on something substantial at this time. Um, yeah, like you say, it's not been that long, but... I find it really odd that he didn't release In the Night this summer in a bid to try and make it like Can't Feel My Face 2, because on the record, Beauty Behind the Madness, that's you know, the most kind of indicative track of that style. Yeah. It, it's a, he hasn't it, been much of a presence this summer, Yeah, but he kind of like quietly released it, like, I think in like the winter or something, and like nobody really cottoned onto it. It's a real summer song. And he's just, yeah, he's just kind of faded into the background and obviously done his own thing. Working with Daft Punk can go either way. Uh, their last album was a bit of a train wreck. It had some good moments on it, one of which actually Frank sampled on Endless. But yeah, like that's a collaboration that excites me. I just hope it's not some kind of like, you know, throwaway single to promote something. Like I want this to be some kind of you know, decent album-based collaboration. I'd be yeah, surprised. Sounded really good. It sounded like something off Echoes of Silence. I don't know if it was totally worthless because it was kind of a complete move away from his last album. I miss, you know, you say he's gone missing a bit. I miss when he was missing. <laughs> I liked... Uh, I liked, <laughs> You like uh, him when he's not around. His, uh, his early, didn't have a clue what was going on kind of person. So you don't like the kind of new I'm going to be the biggest star in the world persona type nah, thing? I don't like it, but uh, it was very surprising. He's... He, when when he emerged, I remember it was it, people didn't know was the weekend a band. And yeah, it was, it's actually kind of Drake in disguise. Um, you know, his the promo pictures are always very kind of shadowy, and then and then to you can see the kind of progression through to the recent album, which is bam, his face on the cover. Yeah, and he's really open. Uh, like, tell your friends, you know, which is you don't get much more of an open confessional than this meandering song about me. I, I do really like that track, but. Uh, it's a really conversational kind of style. So if he's going back to that, that's, this, this does kind of sound like the early stuff, which is interesting. Yeah, and like you say, though, it does go against his, you know, I'm going to be the biggest pop star on the planet uh, and so forth. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. I find him a really compelling figure anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, the, the, the kind of gap or lack thereof isn't, isn't much of a concern. Uh, you do hope that working with someone like Daft Punk will come out positively rather than being, you know, an unnecessary distraction at some level. But uh, the other thing as well, though, of course, is, you know, the tease. I mean, do we expect something relatively soon? Can anything like that just stand alone? It felt like he was just in studio, so that means God knows when, doesn't it, really? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, Run the Jewels and LP has been using Instagram for, say, the past year just to, like play a bit of a beat and that record is still probably maybe the end of the year so yeah I'm not like really who is taking, taking on now the Frank Ocean mantle of <laughs> drop the album drop the album drop the album well it's <laughs> actually going to be one of the bands we're talking about in our songs of the week <laughs> yes it is but yeah, yeah. we'll hold off on that for now yeah before we finish up <laughs> with it's always news, been Jay Paul by the way our, our favourite still hurts. story it does, yeah, every day um, my favourite story of the week personally indeed yeah um you, you might remember the, this. 
Can you take it all the way, Cullum? <laughs> I will do my best. It's Bottle of Mud Frontman wears <laughs> Scantlin. And um, yeah, basically, he, he hasn't had the best of luck uh, in terms in of life, behavior being in Puddle of Mud and all. Caught. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was arrested for trying to ride an airport baggage carousel. And uh, now his car has apparently been victimized by thieves, or at least thieves trying to break into it, uh, succeeding, in fact, multiple times. And uh, he then got a second car, attached a radio underneath one of them, <laughs> ran wires from the radio to the engine, uh, ran it across the road, and uh, yeah, all his neighbours thought he was building a bomb. Motherfucker thinks he's a MacGyver. I love it. <laughs> I mean, like this, uh, Pull the Mud, uh, Dave Hanrady Shame Corner, I bought that album. I knew, yeah. You've got a friend in me over would. here. Oh, no way! <laughs> Yeah. Oh, lads. I saw Puddle Moods. Support was supporting Corn. Corn, Corn I yeah. was there when they were like booed off the stage. Yeah. They did a made a valiant stab at covering War Pigs. So. That, yeah, the they end did of that, Western yeah. civilization. Like, that was. And, like, the, yeah, the crowd turned on them something fierce. I bought that record beforehand. I bought it kind of sight unseen back in the non YouTube days. Listened to the first rack. I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> and paid like 20 quid for it. I think I still have the CD at home somewhere. People give, like, Nickelback a bad time. Bought that album Hard as well. Time. Oh, gee, you did, didn't you? Yeah, Jeez, I did. Dave, you should see that, that shelf I have at home. There's some stuff in there. Some good stuff, too, though. You really? Know, first two Amen records that no one ever talks about. They're great. Okay. You know, back in my Kerrang days, guys. The Ross go. Robinson production days. Yeah, Ross Robinson. Uh, like all that, that, that Roadrunner, Red Label Stamp. Got the first Slipknot record, all that kind of stuff, you know? Is it one of the more unusual, unfortunate rock and roll uh, law problems we've seen, though, this car alarm? It's quite brilliant. I mean, like to be fair, I'll say this. I saw a video of Wes Scantlin performing at some show in London there, I think, like last summer or something, and he looked really bad. Like He looked like he was out of his face, and he's propped up on a chair. His bandmates had left him. It looked awful. It looked like, okay, th- this guy has to go to rehab right now. Oh, really? So at least he's keeping busy, and he's being a bit innovative, and you know, like his mind clearly hasn't fully gone. He's able to string together what looks like a giant bomb. Well, when I read this, it, to me, I just envisaged him living like in some remote part of Canada with Randy Quaid because they feared that the Illuminati were trying <laughs> to kill <Star-wackers>. them. <laughs> yeah. It does have a bit of a Unibomber feel off it, doesn't it? Well, um, look, if you're listening and you're the one breaking into poor Wes's car, give him the man a break, would you? It's true, yeah. Like, She Hates Me is a terrible song, but it was 20 years ago or whatever it was. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. Like, you know, we, we, yeah. We've all made mistakes, like me, buying that album. True, but hark, folks, there's another alarm in the distance. <laughs> What's that? Attention, everyone. Shut up, Craig Kanye. And it's a very special edition of COK this week, as Joey Barras does Kanye's poetry. McDonald's man, McDonald's man, the french fries had a plan. The salad bar and the ketchup made a ban because the french fries had a plan. McDonald's man, McDonald's, I know the french fries had a plan. The cheeseburger and the shakes formed a band to overthrow the french fries plan. Deep. I always knew them french fries was evil, man. Smelling all good and shit. I don't trust no food that smells that good, man. I don't trust it. I just can't because I'm a McDonald's man. Damn. Them french fries look good, though. I knew the Diet Coke was jealous of the fries. I knew the McNuggets was jealous of the fries. Even the McRib was jealous of the fries. I could see it through his artificial meat eyes, and he'd only be there some of the time. Everybody was jealous of them french fries, except for that one special guy. That smooth apple pie. Wow, classic. Shakespearean. Yeah, so very Shakespearean, I think you'll agree. Um, if you like your poetry written down, that's actually in Frank Ocean's new magazine that Dave has been desperate to get. I have, been. On. I have Voice been. on Cry, which was supposed to be the name of the album. Didn't turn out to be. 
Um, but yeah, that's Kanye's contribution to Frank's latest project, which we'll be talking about in a minute. And that's it for Craig and Kanye. Thanks, Craig. As always, a king among men on these strange front lines. The beat that you patrol, <laughs> we really appreciate it. I have to say I'm a little disappointed as the chairman of the Craig and Kanye fan, like, fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you were going to read it. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but I would happily read it. Oh, well, it just so happens. <laughs> I'm not reading this. We just Joey Badass. I can't follow that. You can't follow Joey Badass, no. to be fair. But, um, but listener, it is quite spectacular, though, I have to say. Listener, you can um, follow the work of Alison Spittle. The Alison Spittle Show is just one of many podcasts on the Heads of Podcast Network. Her current guest is Maeve Higgins, uh, who's very interesting to listen to and very, very funny. So No Encore, of course, is part of the same network. You've got a whole bunch of stuff on there. Get on to headstuff.org and check it all out. And now it's time to check out some of the songs of the week. And we start with Metallica. This is Hardwired. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's Hardwired by Metallica. It is, uh, well, well, what, the title track, the half-title track of their new album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. And uh, Dave, you've been studying this with some enthusiasm <laughs> in the past week. I have, because as, you know, as always happens, whenever we leave the studio after recording an episode of No Encore, something big always happens in the music world. And this time, it was the glorious return of the best band in the world, Metallica. They're not the best band in the world. But yeah, Hardwired, dot, 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 to self-destruct, comes out on November 18th. That was just three minutes of the forthcoming 80. We're getting 80 minutes of Metallica on two discs. There's actually going to be three discs as well. What? Yeah. Breaking news. The third disc is going to be Riff Origins, (laughs) which I presume is just demos of them making up riffs. Sounds like a really bad VR game. Dreadful, yeah. But yeah, um, the best track title, uh, track listing of the year, I think we can agree. 12 tracks, including Hardwired there. We got some tracks called uh, Am I Savage, Confusion, Man Unkind, all one word, and Here Comes Revenge. I believe these lads are in their 50s. But yeah, I'm excited. I hope you all are. There's actually a nine-minute clip on YouTube at the moment of them in the studio putting this song together, and it looks genuinely like it came from the same footage as uh, Some Kind of Monster, the best music documentary of all time. Uh, James Heffield at one point just has this bit where he's like, you know, I was thinking about it, and it's like, in life, we're all like, you know, hardwired on this kind of path. To do what, James? To maybe like self-possibly, you know, destruct. And Lars is like, oh, it's really deep. Yeah, man. yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It's just... <laughs> Until Lars talks. Yeah, Basically, yeah, James. The exciting thing here is that someone's clearly filming them. Someone has seen some kind of monster, religiously like me, and has the cameras running in that studio. So I can only presume that we're going to get some kind of monster too. But, but the surely the band have seen it as well, so why are they letting cameras into the studio anymore? Well, I think they have no self-awareness. Wow. Yeah, and as well, who knows what Metallica might be proud of? I mean, yeah, like, they yeah, defended Saint Anger for so long. I'll defend Saint Anger. Really? I At will, least it yeah. was yeah. sounds like Lars Ulrich is playing pots and I love that. Oh my God, the I drum that, sound is I love so that horrible. snare drum sound. Really? I adore that snare drum that. sound. Oh, Look, that, uh, that album is, is uniquely flawed. Um, it, for starters, it's way... Every song is insanely long. Every song is... There's kind of some good stuff on it. There's some really good stuff on it. I mean, like, uh, The Unnamed Feeling is a legitimately great song. St. Anger is a bit of a a blast. It's just too long. I mean, you're kind of like, okay, cool, now it can end. Oh, fuck, there's two more choruses to go. Um, It's a bad album. But at the same time, they try to do something different. 
and I respect the hell out of that. The fans went mental, and then they were forced to throw out Death Magnetic well, five years technically, later. technically, didn't they kind of go back? I mean, because they had those albums in the 90s where they almost did, like, acoustic type stuff, and everyone hated them. They kind of yeah, load and reload. Yeah. So saying anger was almost like them being like, we're still trash, we're still, you know. Yeah, but they, they were trying to do it on this kind of grandiose scale. Yeah. And I mean, don't, like, I'm not a Metallica fan. I've seen them live twice, and, you know, they're very good live, a bit of fun. As regards this track, I mean, like, it's three minutes long. That's good. That's something, right? That's about all I can say positive. But look, to be fair, like it's a Metallica track in 2016. What do you expect? Apart from, I'll tell you one thing I didn't expect. The fucking artwork for this album? Listeners, Google that now. But somebody else, take up the baton here. I'm and also, <laughs> Cullum, you're going to kind of sort that out for the pod picture, aren't you? You're going to have our heads in that cover? Of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on MS Paint. I kind of really like this track. And Metallica used to be my favorite band when I was probably like between like 16 and 19. And I broke up with them over St. Anger. And I kind of walked away. I've never listened to Debt Magnetic and kind of... I'm happy just to have that uh, Kill Em All to Injustice For All, which I think is one of the best four-album runs yeah. any band has ever done. And for this, it's just like it seems... It's very standard. There's some things that are really great about it. It basically is them going back to the Kill Em All uh, kind of almost punk sound. It's like it's nice. It's sharp. It's short. The problem is James Hetfield's vocals and lyrics are awful. Mm. And the, the kind of prob- thing happened, and that's that's their big issue, yeah. has been for a while. Like, everything musically is great. Like, even Hetfield's guitar playing is, like, incredibly underrated, I think. And it's fantastic on this, but... The other thing that has to be pointed out is that it's a 12-track album that's 80 minutes long. Like this you say, is only three minutes yeah, long. Like you say, yeah. this is short and short. You don't need to be a mathematician to figure out that means everything else is going to average at seven minutes. I do think James Hetfield is an interesting figure. Uh, I think he watched the documentary and he comes across uh, comes across quite troubled. And yeah, he's easy to laugh at the dude, but I, there's there's a heart there. You know, like, He seems like a, like a bit of a fucking well-meaning big lunkhead and does his best. His best is often quite ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad he's around, you know? I don't know. I think they're releasing stuff at the moment that's just like, it almost makes you question how brilliant the early material is. Like, do you know what I mean? You go back to Master Puppets, it's like, was it really that brilliant? Yeah. Like, was it made by these (laughs) same guys? To be fair, it was. was. But like, I don't know, this stuff. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I agree with you. There's a kind of, there's a lot to be said for this song in terms of their approach to it, but the riff is dreadful. I think there's barely a riff there. And the lyrics, as you say, are just, ah. Yes. Well, from a band that we think we've probably heard enough of to a band that we definitely haven't heard enough of, Chromatics, finally, finally, Craig. Yes, dear Tommy's here. <laughs> Let's have a listen. <laughs> I'm nearly singing. So yeah, that's Dear Tommy, Chromatics. Uh, Craig burst out laughing last time I used this phrase, but uh, long awaited. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely is long awaited. Um, as long as we've been waiting for Frank. So it's been four years and we were told the title of this album two years ago now and promised it was going to be out in time for Valentine's Day. They said May two years 2015 ago. last year or something. Yeah, yeah, so there's been a lot of dates and not much movement on it, but we've had four or five songs at this stage and they've been up pretty strong I think this is another kind of I don't know it gets me more excited for the record I think it's going to be a good one um, and fingers crossed we're just kind of what weeks months away Do you know what the vocal sounds like on this yeah it sounds like 
the extended outro of a Kanye song circa My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could t- attach that on to the end. Sure, yeah, yeah, that'll work for me. I give it a 9.5 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. I, I think chromatics are fantastic. And you were saying, oh, we're hopefully, they haven't announced a release date for this. So no. calm down. You know, like, just don't get your hopes up. They, they keep releasing songs. Though, they release, so at a certain point, we'll have more track of the album. Than, 17 yeah. tracks, by the way. Yeah. Cheers, Chromatics. But um, I they guess always go long. They kept us waiting long enough, and they always go long. Um, I Can Never Be Myself When You're Around is going to be on there, which was released last year, which for me was an instant hit. It's yeah. a fantastic record, or a uh, pop single, I should say. And this is great. This is really atmospheric, uh, really just has that beautiful Chromatics kind of signature guitar sound, that beautiful, gorgeous reverb. I'm all about it. I think it's. I think it's wonderful. Like it came out today, a couple of hours before we were due to record, and we we bumped a song for this because we were just like, we have to talk about this. This is proper stuff. Sorry, Craig, David, Craig, David, Craig, David got bumped. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. He's going to be our Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> and to finish, we're going to go with the new one from Jimmy Eat World. It's called Get Right. Right, so Dave, frankly, hello. tell us why we should care. No, yeah. this is the thing. I feel like tell us why we bumped Craig David and not this. <laughs> I think we should have just reviewed Craig David, but in like stuck in Jimmy we World. We can still do Craig, Craig David, like if you want to. We'll say. Have you ever been to Destination Addiction? No. <laughs> tell me about it. Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask Jimmy Eat World because that was one of my favorite lyrics on the song. <laughs> <when> was, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Look, okay, Jimmy Eat World were one of those bands again. That like uh, a CD in Dave's. Oh, like, yeah. like uh, oh, uh, there's a cheers happening between <laughs> Cullum and Dean at the moment because like, it was such a good burn. Fuck you both. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing: Jimmy Eat World uh, came out around the time like uh, 2001 ish. Bleed American was the big single. They changed that to a different title after 9/11. I won't fuck with that. It's still called Bleed American, as far as I'm concerned. They have a lot of really bad songs. Let's be honest with you. They're one of those bands that kind of like Blink One Eighty Two. The more they get older, they keep singing about high school. I ain't saying that get right is them kind of you know getting like like getting right so to speak and like kind of doing a U-turn and getting back to the good stuff but it does remind me of the better Jimmy World stuff songs like Disintegration and um, Bleed American uh, as mentioned some of the kind of rawer demos mostly in the breakdown it's an under three minute song it doesn't quite hang together it's a bit unmemorable but it gives me hope it gives me hope that they're no longer singing about fucking like you know sinking the winning uh, basket in a basketball game you know like I just I like when a band comes along and I go well, this is going to be crap, isn't it? And I listen to it and I go, actually, this is all right. This isn't bad. So you, that's you, why they're in the Songs of the Week because I want... You sold us, to be honest. I'm not trying to. I'm, de- I'm defending my, my own kind of, you know... So, your boys. Can I talk to you for one second? I'm going to talk to you, <laughs> you Dave. So we've, I think, on this episode, I've, I've revealed a bit of a kind of a, a questionable musical history. So the opening riff of this song... Look at me. If I had dreadlocks... I'm looking at you. And just before Jim Atkins come in, if I went, hoo what song is this? Oh my god! It's alive by POD. It's boom, it's by, boom POD. by POD. Yeah, so it was completely checked <laughs> out immediately. On Both that. of you guys get out. Can I, yeah. can I also add that I, that I bought that POD record as well? Yes, yeah, so oh did I. Oh my goodness me! <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Okay, well, before think, Dave reveals anything, do you want to do Craig Do you want to do Craig Dave? Done. 
We can do Craig David if you guys if it'll, it'll make you guys happy. Will we happy. do Craig David? Let's do Craig David. Here we go. This is Craig David. So that's Craig David, and I mean, yeah, okay, I feel like Craig David's funny because it's Craig David, but this is just every song you've ever heard in a club ever, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I mean, it, it just sounds like there's some sort of outsourcing company now where if you make some sort of dance beat, you know, you just get sent your vocalist. Yeah, there's and, nothing uh, of him in this, it really is just like, here's my big summer jam in late August. So I love Craig David in a, <laughs> I love you listening to you, Craig, without in an unironic kind of way. But this is just shocking. <laughs> it is. It is. It's. It's just throwing his vocal on on a on a faceless. Yeah. Just you need to be absolutely out of your face in the club to to derive any enjoyment for it. Um, and I, I I even I've enjoyed all of his 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 kind of comebacks. You know, Craig Dave. We look at him as kind of like you know very very retro. You know, um, let's remember ourselves back in the day listening to him. But he's still like, he's younger than just five or something. something. Yeah, he's younger yeah. than Justin Timberlake. You know, there's time for him. And I've dug all the other tracks he's come out with in the last couple of years, but this one's this one's really really bad. Put them with Jimmy World; they can mature together. Apparently, <laughs> let it go, would you? <laughs> I thought I thought he was back because he was on. Uh, he had that one track on the Catronada album this year. That was like I was like, oh wow! Because at first you listen to it and it's like that's a pretty good track, and then you see it's Craig David, and you're like, okay, maybe there's something here. And then you listen to this, and I think Toby Toby Carr last week was complaining about tropical house shit and this is exactly oh, what this totally is. is yeah, yeah. to me when this is the soundtrack of a roundup of championship goals on soccer AM oh <laughs> yeah. excellent yeah. Yeah. that's a burn that's, that's exactly <laughs> what it's made for well after all that I'm quite peckish who's hungry that's oh, yeah. right. Ah, you are, are you? <laughs> yeah, good for you. Well, that's right, kids. Uh, this is your last chance to win two VIP tickets to this year's Solda Electric Picnic Spectacular. This weekend's, actually, I should say. Uh, since the last podcast, they've actually added a bunch of new names to the bill, including the No Encore Approved Overhead the Albatross and Roos and Gana family, to name but two. As always, there's a ludicrous amount of music and cultural activities to get lost in across the whole weekend in Stry Valley. Not least, Cullum rocking the microphone, the hot press tent, where he'll be giving select acts the Oregon grilling. This episode of No Encore is brought to you by Just East, the takeaway app and if you would like to be in with a chance of heading to the picnic and joining Cullum possibly on the hot press couch just hit up headstuff.justeat.ie and order yourself some food that's headstuff.justeat.ie for your chance to stock Cullum at a popular festival I'm almost afraid to speak now so that people won't know what my voice sounds like um, it's too late buddy <laughs> it's too yeah. late frankly 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 boom. speaking oh we've been building <laughs> up it, the whole it. episode for it it's finally here it's time it's Frank Ocean Okay, that was Nike's by Frank Ocean, the lead track from Blonde, the second of two releases that came out at the weekend and excited us quite a bit. As a matter of fact, again, uh, Cullum, after the podcast last week, myself, yourself and Toby Carr went for a couple of pints around the corner. 
and got home. Craig didn't join us because he's on earlys all week. Yeah. So it's around. I went to bed about one or whatever, and like I woke up about six, looked at my phone. There was quite a lot of messages in our group chat, and I looked at it before I went to sleep. So I was like, "There's 21 new messages in this group chat. Someone's dead." I was like, "Something bad is <laughs> something terrible Jeez. has happened." Even though one of us, Josh, is on Canadian time, and the message that jumped out the most was Craig at 5:18 a.m. In block capitals, six times in a row, just saying, Frank Ocean. So I was like, oh, oh shit, it must be on. But I was still too kind of tired, so I think I said, look, okay, this all sounds great, but I'm going to get some more, should I? Went back to sleep, got up about eight, and uh, went to the shop, got myself some groceries. But like, the whole point, I knew that I, like, I, I, I knew that this was <laughs> waiting for me. setting a scene, Colm. I knew that, I knew <laughs> this was waiting for me. Colm's not happy. Uh, I knew this was waiting for me, and I was like, oh, God, it was lashing rain, beaten down. <laughs> got my groceries, came home, made a smoothie, and I'm like, this whole process took about, like, 45 minutes. I was making my own kind of staircase, if you will. And I uh, went upstairs, finally, to my room, sat down, headphones on, got a message off Dean being like, oh, my God, it's here, it's happening. Stuck on Endless. So, so we, we, we were delivered Endless first. Finally. The visual album. <laughs> I had to give it a build-up worthy of what the What did you buy? The those headphones nice headphones? <laughs> oh! You're well, killing him. Well, I'm just <laughs> waiting to turn to Dean, and Dean begins his explanation with, well, it was the best of times. <laughs> it was the worst of times. Well, guys, I'm glad you asked. The smoothie was particularly good. But yes, so Friday, Endless comes out. It's a visual album. Where were we all when the first time we saw it? What was the situation? Well, it was 5 a.m. I was lying in bed. <laughs> Early's paid off. And we've been put through the ringer with Frank Ocean, particularly with the podcast, because we've been thinking, okay, he's definitely dro- dropping something. It's going to be what we talk about. Hadn't happened. And kind of out of the blue. Uh, I certainly wasn't expecting it, getting up, dreading work and trudging in. And then this being all over the internet. And it was very exciting. And I was like, wait, it's a visual album. Um, So... Pretty much immediately, kind of questions were being thrown around about whether this was the actual album that was being released. It sounded great. I dove straight in um, by signing up to Apple Music. Sorry, title. Sorry, Jay Z. Um, and it sounded great, but three month free trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was about See, to in say three yeah. months. Apologies, like... apologies to Craig's bank account for months four through six <laughs> yeah, yeah. when he's trying to figure out how to cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I, I got got straight into it and it sounded amazing. I mean, it starts off with an amazing cover of Isley Brothers at your best, um, which is just heavenly. I think it's maybe the definitive version beats Elias, which is a hard thing to do. And it's a real kind of art pop work. It's quite odd at times. Uh, what do you guys think? What were your reactions? Well, you see, here's the thing. Like, can we realistically talk about and evaluate Endless without saying... And the album dropped 40 hours later. Yeah. And suddenly Endless took on a whole different sort of perception. Does it annoy you that he dropped Blonde so quickly? Absolutely. Like, does it undervalue Endless for me? Because it does for me. You see, here's the thing. I think it's done very deliberately. For me, Endless, just because it chops and changes and it kind of messes with your head a bit, that was definitely, I think it's fair to say, the immediate reaction for just about anybody, right? That when you listen to Endless, you were like, Okay, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, as soon as the song starts, it's gone again. Yeah, and you're kind of thinking, this can't be the album. And to a certain extent, I think that, you know, because there'd been so much speculation about, you know, album number two, Boys Don't Cry, as we still thought of it at the time, of course, because there'd been so much speculation about it, there are sort of a lot of people who probably had, you know, certain conclusions or certain predictions in their head, and Endless probably helped to flush out quite a lot of them. And that 40 hours later, Frank Ocean was working with a lot more of a blank canvas 
in terms of listeners than he would have been had he not released this thing that sort of acted as a, a palate cleanser of sorts. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, we can speak about Endless as its own work. Uh, I, I, I was quite pleased with the way the weekend worked out, this kind of massive event weekend, almost yeah, a Frank Ocean, you know, shoehorn or in between the two albums. You've got the videos for Nikes, which is really, really good. Um, but uh, yeah, Endless was... Um, I, I, I was a little bit afraid that maybe he... Because I think Frank's best asset is is his writing ability. Um, I was a little bit worried that maybe he had kind of he kind of reached the the pinnacle he felt, and he so he t- took it in a completely different direction with this, which is just a, a kind of a bunch of ambient squiggles. Yeah. Um, there's just for me, there's just not enough songs on this thing. I you know I, I listened to it a few times. I went looking for the songs, bar the the Izzy Brothers Vialia cover, and bar that kind of batshit ending track where where it's it's it, it kind of sounds like a uh, a 1980s fever vision of the future, um, accurate vision of, of what we're going to be doing in 2016. Uh, but there really isn't very many songs on it. Um, in saying that, you know, me and some friends stuck it on on Saturday, drank some cans and watched it and enjoyed it. But uh, After Liverpool went down, you were all upset, Mara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very, what a dig. It's <laughs> oh, bingo, right? You get the... Football <laughs> what are you talking about, mate? Uh, the, <laughs> The bingo football always kind of No, yeah, no, it was, very, it was very soothing to me after my team got 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 hammered two 0 by Bernie despite having eighty one percent possession or something. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that I'm ends sorry. the review section. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, Dave. Um, yeah. Well, like just to, to at first, I suppose, like with both of them, um, you kind of. I've had a thing where sometimes when like when I've reviewed movies that you go in thinking you're getting something and a new Frank Ocean album you think you might be getting, you know, Channel Orange Part Two, and you think you know what it's going to be and then it's something else and then at first you're like that's not what I thought it was going to be. You're kind of leaning towards you don't like it, but you know you need to kind of um, rationalize that you need to respect what it is and not what it isn't. So the more I come around to it, like I'm really for endless wise, I'm really really enjoying. Like I get that a lot of it just kind of drifts in and out and. Like, both of them kind of do have a formlessness to them, but um, I think it's actually got some really good songs in it. Like, I'm a really big fan of uh, Unity. Um, mm. It's, like, some really... Unity's some, a good song, yeah. Some yeah. of his, like, best rapping is definitely on this record. Um, and big fan of Sanfa on Alabama mm. as well. To me, yeah. it would have been interesting if, if Blonde hadn't come out, and I think this record was so long-awaited that it would have been tough for people to kind of slay it. I think people would have twisted themselves into absolute pretzels trying yeah. to like this thing. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like it's it's not a good album. <laughs> it's it's got some interesting ideas. It's 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 not in, for me it's just not enjoyable enough uh to, to recommend it as an album. So, let's say to, to try and speak about it in within its own context um is is it would have been interesting if if this had been the album instead yeah. of the kind of the, the sketches that it, it, it subsequently turned out to be. It's funny. I mean, I think as well, though, even the imagery, and now maybe this is, you know, overly simplistic, but when you look at, you know, the sort of the building that's going on, that I think that is very much what this record was meant to be, right? It was sort of a look at the process. Sure. That's going to result in and, eventually uh, the very polished finished product that Blonde was. And I think what we know now about, you know, contractual obligations kind of maybe puts it in a different light of, is it just really an odds and sods thing that, you know, it starts with a cover, it ends with something that is in his own work. And also these references to Apple, Samsung, Sony, it's kind of quite tongue in cheek. 
you know, mm. did he know all along this is just a little taster before, well, you know, it, to get me out of this thing? It feels kind of like sketches, but it's, yeah. it's actually strangely kind of cohesive. Um, or it, it does feel like its own unified it has work. Its own we, you know, vibe, we've seen yeah, like, yeah. there's a bunch of releases out there that are tossed away ideas that that don't really meld together, or mold together. But um, this this actually does quite work as its own one unified piece, which makes it kind of even more intriguing in a way and isn't it great that we can ask those questions i mean even in the wake of that information coming out like you're kind of second guessing yourself and i guarantee you there would have been some people who would have written things and then that information came out and then they were like oh fuck uh i was totally wrong and maybe i should do this which you know it kind of speaks to the idea of once again we've seen it with this with, with this whole release we've seen the rush reviews and as a matter of fact four fifths of this table <laughs> Basically harassed a music journalist on Twitter. Uh, I uh, think it was cyberbullying. I'm not sure. I, I don't did think a winking so. face. Well, look, okay. winking, smiling face. Shall we explain? So briefly, endless comes out, and obviously I had my groceries and a smoothie. What did you have? Was it good. The first review was online at 11:41 a.m. that morning. It had been released at 5 a.m. or so our time, midnight American time. So Guardian's review, Tim Jones' four-star review of Endless online, clearly with the first few paragraphs written weeks in advance, much like uh, Alexis Petretis earlier in the year with Radiohead and um, Kanye, Kanye Life Pablo. So I was like, where's where's Neil McCormick? Surely he's going to be doing that for the Telegraph. That's kind of his thing. I guess the Guardian had kind of stolen his thunder in that regard. And that led to... Um, I looked at Neil, McC- Neil McCormick's Twitter account and he basically put up a thing saying... Oh, a lot of knee-jerk reviews out there already. Lots of four stars for this album. Uh, the proper album hasn't come out yet. I guess we're going to knee-jerk all again tomorrow. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I was like, uh, like "You, you do this. Like you're, you're, you're making this happen." So, uh, screenshot at it, put up a tweet of my own, talked to the lads, and Cullen was like, "Fuck it, I'm going in." <laughs> so Cullen added Neil McCormick, and what happened next? Uh, what happened next was that he came back with a really like. Oh no! I mean, like I know, dear too. I'm just, I'm just saying. And I was kind of like, well, that's a bit of a pussy move, but I mean, there's no point in just like hammering home my point here. And then Big Dean waited in. <laughs> oh shit! I don't speak on individuals. I don't speak on individuals. But um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I will never. I, 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 the, the, the hours later review is 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 something I'm really against. Um. I understand, you know, you know, you got to get those clicks or whatever. I think there's there's a lot of a lot of different ways you can do that. I think Pitchfork only pretty, actually published their review of the, of the whole thing today, which is which is several days later now. Um, well, because just going back to speaking about how people would have felt about this, I'm yet to see a, a, a review within 24 hours that wasn't four stars. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's the safest review. Yeah, it's the safe. Yeah. yeah. I would have loved to have seen somebody to trash that Radiohead album, say give it one and a half stars, two stars yeah. after like you know twelve hours to come out, and see what would have been the response. But or um, indeed see how they would have felt about yeah. it, sort of three or four months down the Actually, line. Actually, the one review that was three stars that was underneath four was Neil McCormick for Pablo when he reviewed the rip of Life of Pablo from MSG, the and, yeah, and, and then refused to back down and like a, yeah. and basically like do another review. That's where this whole this all came from. Yeah, because what he like probably didn't like the bit where he got an email after the fourth track. That was my favorite bit. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's there's a there's a there is a value to capturing your feelings about a piece of work. After in in the immediate aftermath, you know you can you can listen to an album once and and jot down your thoughts and and there's a value to that. But when if you're going to stamp it with a rating and 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 make this the official line of 
of of your publication. Um, that's I think that's really wrong. And the other thing about it as well is that, as Dave alluded to, a lot of these things you've got to feel are written in advance. Or at least they've made up their minds in advance. That's why I feel record. like the blonde review from The Guardian from Tim Jones, the same writer, didn't come out until today as well because he hadn't written the first few paragraphs in advance this time, but he had for endless. But here's, here's the thing. Is this not easily solved? Like, okay, you know, the websites have to get some content about the album up. Why do they have to call it a review? First listen. They changed that on The Guardian. They changed, they changed it to it. first listen review, presumably okay. after some backlash. Right. But, well, like, yeah. the- but it's still... You know, still the word review is there. Yeah, like, and, said, a, like, and a star Fork, rating that yeah. they're not going to change. I mean, Pitchfork did other... where they, they kind of, you know, made a list of, like, things to look out for on the album that, like, enhanced maybe the listening to it to people who are kind of just, oh, what's the buzz about this? Uh, but, like, a... the idea that you can just decide is yeah. so ridiculous. Uh, there was a great caption, I think, on The Guardian's one where it was just, like, a record that lives long in the memory. It's, like, written <laughs> hours <laughs> after. Yeah, you ridiculous. can still remember like, it. Absolutely. On the whistle. Yeah. So far, match reports. Here's the thing, though. As far as blonde is concerned, maybe are we well, pronouncing b- it with before, a e before, not, before we get before we get to blonde? I have a question. Well, you put- <laughs> before we, before we get to blonde, I've got a question for everyone at the table. Have we all sat down and watched all of Endless? Uh, have we treated yeah. it like a visual yeah, album? It's kind of hypnotic. Yeah, I first, think it's yeah. first time I watched. It. I think it's really hypnotic. I think it totally works with the you know, as Dean says, it's, it's more textures than songs. But I find just the presentation of it, the look of it, the kind of monochrome, uh, I find it genuinely compelling. And I love the artistry surrounding all of this. And you're still hearing those songs kind of from that room. So you're it's so relaxing as well. Is it just yeah. me or like, is it really relaxing? Like, there's just something yeah. very kind of warm about it's it. It's like that thing in films where people are doing stuff with their hands and constructing stuff. It's kind of a relaxing Is that meant to, to be watch. a thing? Yeah, I think oh. so. Yeah, it's, I don't know. All right, so yeah. I wasn't having some unique psychological revelation. This is actually Not designed today, to make me feel this way. Let's have a listen to some more Blonde. This is Nights. Hope you're doing well, bro. Everybody needs you. Everybody needs you. Ooh, nani nani. This feel like a quaalude. No sleep in my body. Ain't no bitch in my body. New beginnings. Uh, new beginnings. Wake up high, the sun's going down. Time to start your day, bro. Can't keep being laid on. Oh, you need the money. Gonna survive every night, every day. Dropping baby off at home before my night. So that was Nights from Blonde. Dave Higgins, tell me about it. How I first heard it, is that what you want to know? I want to hear everything you got to say. Um, again, like I think it was one of the waking up early on uh, Sunday morning and then seeing Twitter all exploding with Frank's hot new album and. First, I was like, okay, yeah, that's more more content to digest. So I uh, got on the Apple Music again, gave it a spin. And like I said, with, with Endless, I was like, okay, that's it. That's a, you know, it was nice. Like, it could never, I could never not dislike it first because Frank's voice is, like, so compelling and he's such a, a great songwriter. But, again, you kind of have this preconception about what you're getting into and then it's not quite that, so... Over the week, it's been one of these really just, I'm just so enjoying getting like stuck into it. And like the first time or the first three listens, like there's probably a couple of songs that stick out the most for me, like self-control, because it's probably got maybe like one of the big hooks on it. And mm-hmm. it's got that big swell where it, it drives towards something. But then the further you go on, there's these other tracks like Siegfried at the end, which is just so incredibly beautiful. And yeah, like it's just a, an album I kind of can't wait to unpack even more like I feel 
we've kind of said it before, but like it's an album that you kind of want a little bit more time with. You see, here's the thing. I have to ask whether, with this record in particular, whether it's a matter of unpacking it or whether it's a matter of kind of stripping away the different expectations or predictions or, you know, the sort of predetermined things that we had coming into it. But that's what I was saying before, I suppose. Like, I remember I went to see uh, Steven Soderbergh's side effects and looking at it, it looked like Steven Soderbergh is going to tackle Big Pharma and it's going to be kind of serious. But then it turned into this absolutely ridiculous, uh, like kind of Brian De Palma erotic romp. And I came out of it and I was reviewing it and I was like, if you push me then, I was like, that's two. But then I kind of had more time to think about it, what it was on its own terms. And it immediately started skyrocketing over time. And I feel like this is what's happening with this album that I was immediately coming in and be like, okay, where's Pyramids part two or something like that. Because I I look at some of the reviews of this record in particular, where it's kind of been like, you know, oh, well, this is missing or there's none of this. And it's like, well, you're not really evaluating this record here, yeah. are you? I think people are missing drums, basically, seems to be the Yeah, major. they're missing, missing drums and missing bangers. And, 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 and the other thing, of course, is they're missing overt uh, gay references, it seems. There's a great line in the Rolling Stone review where they kind of talk about, you know, the, the object of his affections in this song uh, being... Um, provocatively ambiguous. Yeah. Which sounds like the defense you use when you punch a bloke when he didn't deserve it. It's kind of like, well, no, he didn't look at me or say anything, but, you know, his his apathy was quite aggressive. I just, it feels as though a lot of people had pinned so much on this record. Yeah. And it's coloring an awful lot about what they're actually seeing and what they're getting from it. Yeah, and I, I like that, it's particularly through the context of, of listening to Endless, which was very different, I like that kind of Frank has doubled down on on one of the things he does particularly well, and I think that's he's a, he's a he's a brilliant writer. You know, you go back to to songs like Nova Kane through to Thinking About You. You know, he's a really really vivid writer. Um, with this, uh, he kind of he kind of gambles everything on that because you know these are mostly. I saw a tweet uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I thought it was a pretty good description describing this as kind of like an an average later day Radiohead album because it, it, it does some of the instrumentals do kind of sound like those like like sparse just yeah, guitar lines, quite pretty, um, yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, the, the, what what you derive mostly from them is is his voice and and his lyricism, which are already really strong here. Um, his writing is is much more oblique. I think there's nothing nearly as as obvious as say a, a song like Crack Rock, which is obviously very just a, just an anti drug song. Or um, it, 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 they're going to take him a lot longer to kind of unpack um, some of the meanings. Um, just as about the what people were expecting, I, I do think it would benefit from one or two moments that do maybe rollick a little bit harder, just to kind of think keep thing, listeners on their toes a little bit. Um, but I think this is really, really strong. I don't think it's quite as good as Channel Orange, but I, I, I say I, I like the way he's kind of gambled everything on on what makes him particularly special, and he definitely comes out, I think, um, on top with that. I mean, it's. I agree with everything Dean just said, uh, and I think it is one of those things where this is definitely one of the things where you are, without question, coming to this, especially if you have been waiting for it, with so much, I need it to sound like this, it has to sound like this, in my head it already sounds like this, and then it sounds like this, and therefore you're like, well, it's just not good enough, is it? So you have that thing of like kind of pulling back from being like, just because I didn't get what I wanted doesn't mean that what I've been given isn't 
Well, still... I would I wouldn't even say that people are necessarily saying you know it's just not good enough. Some but people pe- are. Well, no, but some people are also saying like you know oh there's so much intrigue here, and you're kind of sitting there going like well there really isn't like you know people people occasionally single out sort of like lyrics or songs where you're like. Well, no, actually, that one's quite straightforward. It's just you weren't expecting it. I disagree. I, I think there is intrigue here. and I Because th- I, I think that this record oh, is... I'm not talking about as the, in the record as a whole. There's right. definitely some in the album. Well, I mean, I just think that, like... I think as a whole it is, though, for the most part. Because I feel like this is a record where... Unlike so many albums that we've had even this year, and it's been a very strong year for music, as we keep saying on this podcast, um, this is a record... Endless as well. I I, I kind of look at the two of them together, kind of like a Kill Bill Volume One, Volume Two situation. Like it's basically the it's the same film for me. This is kind of all one big thing. I think you can't look at Blonde without looking at Endless, and that probably is because of the you know the twenty four hour or forty eight hour later thing. Uh, you asked earlier on about does Endless kind of get short shrift as a result of being released so quickly beforehand? I think it does. And I feel like you have to look at that one before you look at this one, at least if you were experiencing it at that time. I'm not saying that you got to do that all the time for the, for, you know, for the remainder of your musical listening days. But ultimately, with this, so many people are looking at this and putting themselves in it. People are putting their own interpretations of it, and they're, relating it, they're writing themselves to this album. They're putting themselves into these songs. And there are a lot of albums out this year which I can't do that with. Even some of my favorite ones, like Lost Under Heaven, and even Life of Pablo. You can't necessarily... Life of Pablo, I think, is actually really good... Uh, companion piece to this because obviously Life of Pablo changed the game in terms of what the album is in 2016 changed the art form with it being kind of an updated patch situation I think Frank is a Kanye Kanye here in as much as he has released this his way in a different way he's got so many questions being asked about what what the visual album means if it means anything at all Uh, Tom Sachs the artist who he apparently collaborated with to make uh, that has said that there's a 140 hour version of the 45 minute version that we've seen So that kind of tells you that it's not some throwaway thing. This is a big art installation, a big art project, a big statement. Oh, I but I feel like so. you're putting. I feel like it's very, very at least walking around for the last week or so or five days with this in my headphones and kind of like you know even like watching the the visual album. I'm finding so much in it that I'm putting myself into, and that might be how a lot of critics met my buddy Valentine when they released MBV, and I'm very aware of that, and I'm also very kind of like. How am I going to feel about this record in six months? I'm. I find the whole thing, I find the artistry of it all incredibly overwhelming and intoxicating, but in the best kind of way. I think for anyone who's big into music, whether you're a writer or not, this is gold. This is like what you want, and you don't always get it. And in a year when the likes of Bowie, big name I know, and Prince, even bigger name perhaps, have kind of left, and people are like, well, who's do we have any of these characters anymore? I feel like Frank Ocean is, and I don't know if it's necessary because he's so fucking brilliant or it's, if it's because we have put so much of ourselves on him as regards those last few years and being like, where's the album, where's the album, where's the album? It builds up to this incredible pressure cooker. And in terms of what we have here with Blonde, I think this is a really interesting piece of work, but I, a lot of it is how I'm relating to it definitively. And like I say, that's great. I, I, I have one album this year that I can do that with. I haven't had that in a long time. I think the Frank Ocean mystique uh, in, like, to, 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 to maintain that kind of that mysticism in a way that, that people like Prince did in 2016, like that's not nothing. You know, we were living in an era of, you know, social media access, sure. etc. cetera. Uh, but I do think that, you know, that, that does even punctuate his writing into it. You know, it make, it makes his, 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 his songs come through even clearer. Um, I mean, I, I disagree on the, on the Kill Bill description. For me, like Kill Bill one and two, you, you push those two together and they're very clearly is meant to be one work. Um, I think that 
these are two quite distinct works where I think um, Blonde, Blonde, it's not it's not like Pablo in terms of Pablo is very much a collection of sketches. This is a cohesive album. You know, it really is album. incredibly yeah. so, isn't it? And it, it's actually got something that, you know, it's funny when you were saying putting yourself into it that I, as I've probably spoken about on this podcast before, if I haven't, let me do now. I generally hate uh, sketches or kind of little inserts and albums of kind of spoken word pieces where you're just like, what the fuck is that? And when we first listened to Blonde, it should be said, by the way, yeah, that Dave and I (laughs) first listened to Blonde uh, while we watched wrestling on mute in my house NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. But... Was really good. By the face, way, face, face was really like though. That's what I need to. There was know. no smoothie this time. We were having cans. Yeah. Half face, twelve on Colm's couch. Facebook story starts, and you're kind of like, "Well, what the, what the fuck is this? It's a French bloke telling a story about how he got dumped because of making friends with a girl on Facebook." And you're like, "Well, what is this?" But again, I guess when you've got the, that mystique that Frank has, I mean, like that is only going to promote some sort of like otherness, and yeah. to put yourself into a song. Well, a very common sort of story about social media. Actually, it's not a bad ploy. The voice message from his mom. Uh, I, I, dis- I disagree. I disagree. It's I actually not they his were mom. terrible. Are they not immediate? <laughs> it's, not as, it's not his mother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it not his It's mother? not his mother, no. See, right. Again, it's yet another thing where you're like, what? what the hell? Yeah, I thought Facebook story was just dreadful and it really brought the whole thing down <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, and kind of be yourself. I like maybe the message, but it just kind of rattled on. But do you not think that like, the way that they're used, um, the first three tracks in this record, Nike's Ivy and Pink and White, which to me are, that, that's a hell of a three song run. Um, they, to me, sound like like you're, like you're parachuting into moments of Frank's kind of emotional adolescence. You hear him get his heart broken and you're kind of like hearing him experiment with, you know, that kind of thing. And then along comes this voicemail from um, his mother's mate, who apparently I guess is like a second mom or something because she says, you know, this is mom, but apparently it isn't. Um, being like, well, you know, like, don't do drugs, don't do alcohol, be yourself, which is, you know, kind of a weird message anyway. But, like, I feel like that breaks up the first part. The first part is, you know, beginning. And then we move into, like, the next song is called Solo. And it's about him, you know, like, just doing his own thing. Playing with his organ. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, later on you have a Facebook story which comes in. And actually, Louise Bruton, friend of the podcast, uh, on Twitter, uh, tweeted out today that she said it was the most grating thing she's heard all year. It's just your <laughs> That's man. That's so French annoying. producer Sebastian yeah. who uh, complains that he was going out with a girl and he wouldn't accept her on Facebook and that was the end of the relationship because it was, in his words, pure jealousy. I don't think either party comes across very well there, but he certainly comes across like a complete dickhead. It's true, just, but yeah, it it's, take, like, it it's like he's trying to make it like a profound statement, but it's just like you're but just you acting like that, a dickhead. But don't think that the fact that like that that someone trying to make a profound statement about that in this day and age is a reflection of modern bullshit. Listening to someone thinking you're a dickhead is one thing, but it's, this is just not amusing or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think it speaks to the overall tones of the album, where it's about like modern dating and modern yeah, life. You don't like, need it. That's it's fine. No, but, like, but, 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 but then next, to. but then next, you have like uh, his kind of take on close to you. So putting Which doesn't them, work either. I think it does work, and I think putting them two together is like an interesting dichotomy. And I, and I understand. I, I I think the point he's trying to make is like, oh, we're also fucking fickle, aren't we? Well, yeah, but as well, Facebook story and and other moments like that in the album break the spell, don't Absolutely. they? Well, in a good way or a bad way for you? In, oh, well, I think in a good way. Certain, certain, at least I say in a good way because I never had a moment in this album, to be perfectly honest, where I felt okay. Well, you know, I, I'm now so rattled, I missed the last six minutes, as it were. I felt that every now and then I could have sort of sunk under yeah. a little bit. No, no, it's a great listen overall. Yeah. And you know what? They work in terms of 
I mean, he's always been an artist that, you know, thrives on nostalgia and things like that. And it feels like a real kind of end of an era record, not in a kind of, you know, grand, you know, state of the nation dressing, but in terms of his life. And it's almost like, you know, there's these things fading in and out. There's a dreamlike kind of memory quality to it. So, yeah, I get why these snatches kind of work in terms of voicemails. You could almost be going through someone's phone and seeing old pictures. Yeah. And you're just getting snapshots of the last four years or whatever he's going through. So in that way, it totally works. And, yeah, I mean, I agree with Dean. I think he really kind of doubles down on his songwriting because there's not a lot of instrumentation going on. With repeated listens, you realize, okay, there's very subtle, beautiful things happening and very clever things, but it's not something that immediately grips you. It really is leaning back on his lyrics and his voice and his charisma and his melody writing. Um, and while there isn't maybe the highs of Channel Orange, I think overall it kind of it's it's bigger than the sum of its parts, really. It's just kind of it's intoxicating. You keep coming back to it. Yeah, and I think to say as well that when you talk about an album that reveals itself over time, it can kind of sometimes sound like homework. This is... Yeah, and this is a, a great listen yeah. from uh, you know it's entertaining, which I think music has to be before mm-hmm. before anything else. Um, and yeah, but you, I, I think just to pick up on the on the Facebook story, I think you can have those those moments that uh, you know to, to that that break the spell that are a little bit more. We've seen you know Kendrick, uh, yeah. Kendrick's uh, kind of bring back the skits a couple of years ago mm-hmm. in a, in a much better way, and uh, you know Silver Surfer. That was much better. (laughs) (laughs) Just on the notion of those interludes real quick, um, you know, Be Yourself, Facebook Story, and the closing track, Future Are Free, uh, the second part of that, when it kind of goes into the second part of the song after a bit of uh, silence, uh, they have this kind of motif. Yeah. uh, This kind of like synthy, wavy, kind of dreamlike motif, which to me reminds me of like the downtime moments in Hotline Miami before it all went crazy. And I think that that kind of speaks to what you're saying, Cullum, in that like it is, it snaps you out of it before throwing you back in. And there's a certain kind of majesty almost about that which i really really love and it's also like i mean it's just it's incredibly deliberate and i think that's why especially people have said you know okay we really need a little bit of time to process this because there are reasons to say that you know everything on endless that everything on blonde everything around both endless and blonde everything leading up to them had you know some sort of narrative attached for one reason or another and yeah it's it's a sign of a, a pretty interesting artist, to say the very least. Just to go on the skits, we talked about the skits, but we didn't talk about solo reprise. Mm. Um, Andre, how does everyone yeah. feel about that? Oh yeah, I didn't like it. It's not it's no. a really waste. Waste of Andrew two thousand. These I, sloppy. Kind it, of it's kind of like he's voice. doing a Kendrick thing almost, where it's it's just kind of yeah. I was excited to hear him, and then it just doesn't really. S- I don't know. I, some of the things he says, though, works for me in terms of, and maybe that's kind of what the guys are saying in terms of the album. It's almost like an anointing thing of Frank Ocean as this important artist, especially when he's kind of taking digs, kind of Roy digs at Drake, I think. Um, he seems to be anyway. Uh, what's interesting, my sister kind of heard, she's usually right about most things. She didn't have Apple Music. She hadn't heard this record. So you have to l- listen to at least a bit of it. I stuck on Ivy and she's just like, oh, this is like Drake if he wasn't shit. And I'm just like, yeah, this is the this is the album views could have been, you know, long kind of, you know, bit sad sacky, but actually very, very good. And the other the other thing, though, about this record, and I know that I read Dean's review where it was very much, you know, that this is an album of kind of nostalgia and growing old. You said yourself, Craig, that this is very much tapping into his kind of nostalgic side, as is Frank's want. He sounds to me more at terms with it than Drake 
And then an awful lot of people would be. It, it sounds like he's processed a lot of this stuff as well, rather than is merely sort of looking back. And he has those, you know, lines where he's like, I'd rather live outside. And he seems to be shirking a lot of the kind of materialism that comes with a lot of other major stars. He sets himself apart in a kind of, in a nice way, I think. But it just adds to that kind of enigma and that mis- mystique that he has that you guys have been talking about, I think. There's also like a, a heavy emotional angle here. And I, and I like kind of like, I mean, like, I, I can see Dean's point saying that, you know, it's not Kill Bill 1 and 2. And like, but I love that that's an argument. I love that, like, you know, people are able to have these kind of interpretations of disagreements. I love the end of Endless where, you know, it doesn't show him completely climbing the stairs. And then like when he walks away and hits the credits, he walks past the camera not looking at it. I like how you can like you can throw those things. You, you can like okay, you can talk about what what does that mean for Frank versus his listeners. You know, I mean, like is this him finally like lots of pieces have been written about this already. Some great ones. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to read all of them before I write my own. Um, and I kind of feel like I love those ideas. Though. I love ambiguity. I love kind of even like even when it's wrong. Even when you're like, look, I'm totally wrong on this, but I believe it to my core because that's what I'm taking from this. And there are moments in Blonde where like I just find the emotion of it just spills through. There's parts of Nike's. Um, even like the autotune vocals I think are really effective and like even when he comes in like I, I love that switch and like, I think the autotune is actually maybe even more emotional uh, the opening kind of chords and music in the closing track Future or Free I, like made my fucking heart shake man the, 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 it's so there's something there Like, and, and I think over the course of the record like Dean's review for Passion of the Wise talks about getting older and I think there's an awful lot about the loss of innocence here, especially at the end of Future or Free when, like, he plays interview set, uh, excerpts with, I guess, his younger brother when he was 11 at the time. Oh, yeah, there's a yearning and for normality. And you hear, like, kids right? laughing and, like, wanting to grow up and dream and be these big things. And they're not really out there in the world yet. They're not, like, living life. They're not having to pay bills. They're not, they haven't had their heart broken. And it's just, there's something about that. And I find that as intoxicating as I find the whole project. So... Overall, I mean, like, like I say, I'm desperate to know where I'll be with this in about six months. But for now, I'm I'm very overwhelmed, but in the best possible way. Can we get a score from you, Dave? That's the worst question to ask, man. I mean, like, it's so hard. But like, I'm gonna go eight point six if I'm allowed. Be that six. Oh, pitchfork, full pitchfork. Pitch <laughs> but it's right. probably probably a nine. But you know, let's um, go. Ten for the table, then, with, Dave. With, with the caveat that I, I suppose I gave earlier, where I said that I watched one movie and it went from a two to a four out of five. Not to say it was a four out of ten. It's like 7.5 for me at the moment, but I know it's growing. Like, it's been growing since I started listening to it. Craig? Yeah, it'll probably hit a 9 for me. It's, it's definitely getting there. Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on how it moves. Uh, 8 for me. And Dino? For Blonde, yeah, I, I, somewhere in around the 8. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I, 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 I love the way he, he put it all out in, in one weekend. It feels like a, just this really broad art project that he did and and uh and uh, you know I, I think it definitely solidifies him as uh, as definitely one of the most interesting artists out there at the moment i find well, it weird that he made like the way he delivered it was essentially the way netflix dumps shows but like this is not a and like netflix is all about the binge but like his stuff is not to be binged like if anything it it, it would have i think benefited from the kind of classical Here's a song to kind of give you an idea of what it's going to be. Yeah, I would think, think it'd be interesting if films started to come out now the way albums do. If, you know, a lot of guys are just harassing J.J. Abrams on Twitter saying, <laughs> Dro- "Drop the Star Wars." Yeah. <laughs> just real quick on the subject of that, by the way, and I, I think that's an interesting point to make, Dave, because um, even seeing people be like, "Oh, you know, you you reviewed that film," 
two hours after you saw it. I, to me, it's not the same. Okay. To me, you live with music and you kind of move with music and you see where you are with that in a year's time. A film is a visual medium and it's different and like, you know, you write up what you've seen pretty much after the fact and that's kind of its own kind of fun challenge and ultimately I don't feel like they're the same thing. I, I think that's What about you, a visual album? Well, this is why we've had this uh, mega debate here and I feel like we could have it again at the end of the year as I'm sure we will when we do our wrap-up show at the end of the year. Exactly, but as Dean said, it, it was a kind of a special Frank Ocean weekend and uh, obviously uh, it was a, a very special Frank Ocean podcast. If there are to be other albums consumed in the next week, uh, Dave, you have a recommendation? Yeah, well, what will be reviewed properly next week with myself and Craig, when Cullum's not here, you've, you've earned a day off, to be fair, because he'll be he'll be preparing for picnic. Why do I get stick when I take a day off? Because I don't like you, man. All right, okay. I like him. Okay, oh, <laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> James Vince McMorrow releases We Move this Friday and uh, yeah check it out I mean like ultimately I want to hold off what I have to say about it until we do the review at the same time though uh, Angel Olsen's new record My Woman comes out on the same day and if you go and read Justin McDade's 8 out of 10 review on Headstuff Music uh, you'll read his words and you'll see why Angel Olsen is such an interesting character well worth checking out it's a kind of a heavyweight week it's good to have a lot of kind of releases at, at this point in time and I, I'm skipping ahead by weeks and weeks and weeks here but I'll say this I have the Dillinger Escape Plan album Cullum Whoop! You're going to love it. So excited. Okay, who who else has got some? Uh, I've got an album for Cullum. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, again, uh, the new Dillinger album is uh, produced by Kurt Ballou, uh from Converge. I've got another Kurt Ballou, uh produced record. I think someone on your 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 halfway point show uh, recommended the Nails album. Uh, you will never be one of us. Uh, in a year, kind of when. Drake has essentially just dropped the Batman vs. Superman extended edition like Mope record at like over 80 minutes and Frank's essentially put out nearly two hours of uh, records. This one comes in at 21 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, it's incredibly aggressive. It's palatable. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you love the uh, genre of power violence, then this one's for you. <laughs> and for, 20, for 21 minutes, I think I can handle anything, bro. <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm stuck listening to the Britney album for the next couple of days, so I ain't got shit to recommend. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend the new Ka album, Honor Kill the Samurai. Uh, he's a veteran New York rapper who makes these really bitter kind of street narrative stuff. But he's been in the news actually this week because a New York newspaper put him on the front page. He's, he works as a as a captain in um, in the fire department in New York. Um, they kind of pit, they kind of present him as this cop hating rapper who also works for the fire department, which is really unfair. So I really hope that this week gets his takeaways that he made a classic album. So you should get that. Uh, and just a quick second one is uh, Shabaka and the Ancestors, Wisdom of Elders. I'm not actually sure if that's out yet, but uh, this is a really really strong year for jazz, and this is South African jazz, and it's it's really good. And I'm being told to wrap up. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will just say, if you do get Apple Music for Frank, bear in mind that Stranger Things, the soundtrack, the volumes one and two are on there, and they're amazing. That's what I've been listening to this weekend. So check that out. Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, I think this was a, a, a good discussion about a prestige album. And thank you for listening. Check out the album if you haven't already. Dave and Dean, thank you so much for coming in and giving us some you know extra gravitas. So thank Woo! you. Pleasure. <laughs> Always great to welcome you guys back, and we will do so again soon. Craig and Colm, thank you as well. Thanks, to close us out this week, a uh, break from the norm, because how do you follow up a big, long Frank review with uh, you know something that isn't connected to the record? So we're going to go with a track that sexually aroused Colm. <laughs> it moved. It actually did move. Uh, yes, this is the aforementioned by Dean, uh, Vision of the Future by Wolfgang Tillmans. This is Device Control. We'll talk to you next week. My name is Dave Henry. There will be no encore. This has been no encore. This is kind of an encore. Enjoy it. Get it. This Apple appliance 
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Whoop. So excited. Peacock fuels your true crime obsession with exclusive new originals like John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. They said to me, Klaus can get away with murder. Dr. Death, the undoctored story. This guy's dangerous. And Epstein's shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. She inherited Jeffrey Epstein's secrets. There was this whole other world going on. Plus the most bingeable crime series, Buried in the Backyard and Snapped. And with the Dateline 24-7 channel that's always on. Did you want her death? You can't not obsess. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.